Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. NBA free agency discussions can get underway on Friday, 3 p.m. local time, although players can't sign until July 6th. But there's still plenty of movement, and so we're popping on out to the KDOS hotline. James Herbert, CBSSports.com, set to help us figure out what's going on in the NBA. James, appreciate at the time on the program. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome here. Uh, I set up uh, the the free agency discussion, but I have you, so I have to ask here. Uh, The Phoenix Suns, it's also new, so we need your opinion. Bradley Beal and the trade for him to come here to Phoenix. Uh, Beal, Katie, Booker, how can they coexist on the court? Where's the defense coming from? Yeah, I, I think offensively they'll coexist just fine. I mean, they should enhance each other, honestly. I mean, they are not full of a bunch of great passers on this Suns team, but provided um, that they run an offense that kind of gets those different guys involved in different spots, I think they'll pile up a ton of points. I mean, this will be kind of the easiest looks that Brad Beal has ever had in his NBA career, if not his life, um, playing with those other two guys when they're all on the floor together and then you know in the event that any one of them has to miss a game or a stretch because he's hurt this makes it a lot easier to to get through those stretches it makes a lot easier just in the course of a normal game like you can probably keep two of them on the court at all times if you choose to I'm sure come the postseason time they they will be doing that for 48 minutes defense is obviously the big question and I think more than just defense um, it's can they find guys in free agency who can both play defense and also like survive the playoff crucible, like be able to stay on the floor, hit a three pointer, actually force the opposing team um, to close out on them um, and kind of not just pack the paint against the Suns team and not just throw double and triple teams at, at Durant and Booker and try to force those guys to, to get the ball out of their hands. I think Beal's presence helps just in the fact they have a third, like really high level creator on the team, but they still need um, to make some moves here to get this thing a little more balanced. Let's talk about some balance here and making some moves and cap space and at least mathematically what makes sense is trying to move DeAndre Ayton's contract to be able to create some space and bring a couple of players of need in return. Uh, It doesn't look like, though, based upon several reports that the Suns are getting uh, the value that they want in return for Ayton. So it looks like as of now, moving forward with Ayton on the roster, do you just see this, though, as being a summer full of constant conversation and nothing really being settled (laughs) um yeah i mean that's what it seems like right now these things can change um if an offer for aiden comes in that gets the sun's multiple rotation players and kind of fixes their depth issues their depth issues i they would be silly not to consider that and not not because of all the history that aiden's had uh with the franchise and kind of the issues that he had with now former coach monty williams just because this team is super top heavy like if you can if you feel like you can, you know, survive whatever you might be downgrading in the center aspect of it, but you're getting some other wings that can play or getting a point guard that you trust, then that just kind of makes sense from a roster building perspective. I just don't know that there's a deal out there right now that that would satisfy all of those things. I'm not sure that Aiton, having signed like effectively a max contract um, when he was a restricted free agent, 
um, and coming off a season that was a little up and down and, and a playoff run um, that, that wasn't super great in that series, I don't think his value is as high as it would need to be for the Suns to get to, to get what they're looking for. So cap space, like, that's not happening. That's not even happening if you trade Aiden. They're so far over the cap, so far over the tax, that that is just not realistic. Like, they are living in a completely different world um, with these three stars making as much money as they're making that they're basically blowing through um, what we used to call the apron. Now it's the second apron that's going to be super restrictive in the coming years with with the new CBA. And I, I think, if anything, they'll be looking to add more money, um, which sounds counterintuitive because of how high the payroll already is. But just because it is going to be so difficult to add to the roster next summer and then the summer after that and the summer after that and not just in the summer, like during the season, they're going to end up not being able to sign buyout guys. They're going to be banned from making trades where they're taking back more money that is coming in because this is what like the new world of, of the NBA is like the NBA has put in a bunch of rules that are supposed to dissuade teams from even putting a team like this together in the first place. Well, the Suns have done that. So now what it seems like they're going to do, uh, they might re- they might overpay some of their own um, free agents so they have some bigger contracts that they can potentially move in trades um, and that kind of thing. It's, they're in really weird territory. There's not a single other team in the NBA um, pursuing this exact strategy. You saw the Clippers wave Eric Gordon uh, to save money Yesterday, you saw the Warriors dump Jordan Poole's contract, essentially, um, the other week. And the Suns are the one team that is just kind of steamrolling through and and saying, we're going to be an incredibly expensive team, but we're going to try to maximize this window over the next few years while Kevin Durant is still one of the best players in the NBA. It's, It's a really weird situation. So maximizing this period of time with these three players here uh, with the free agency market set to get at least talks get started here on Friday. Who is viable then to come to Phoenix? Uh, Obviously, they need a lot. Uh, So with that in mind, who's potentially available here? Where are where are the Suns brass looking? Okay, so I'm not going to be naming the the huge names. I'm not going to be talking about like James Harden or Draymond Green or anything like that. Like we're basically talking about um, guys who might take minimum contracts to come to Phoenix, guys who want to be able to take this opportunity, actually get in the rotation for a championship contender. I mean, I, I could see the Suns maybe getting in the Torian uh, Prince business after he was just waived by Minnesota. They could even just go in and claim him. Um, not even wait for him to to clear waivers if they want to. That contract, they might see that as a good thing um, that he's making $7.4 million because they need those salaries that I was talking about um, for future trades. That would make sense to me. Uh, Eric Gordon, that's another one. I kind of doubt they would claim it, but, I mean, they, they could do it, I guess, if they wanted a $20.9 million contract. I don't know if they'd go that far, um, but once he clears – Waivers, I mean, that's another name that's been linked to Phoenix like a million times over the last few trade deadlines. They, they never got him, but he still makes sense in terms of his skill set. Um, I've seen Yuta Watanabe's name pop up in a bunch of um, rumors, and that's the guy that I had circled even before I saw that because I, I live in Brooklyn. I, I watched Yuta this past season be one of the best spot-up shooters in the NBA. He's 6'8", super long arms, plays really hard defensively. Um, and if that three ball is going then he's absolutely a, a viable, like really good three and D guy that 
could play for, for any playoff team. It was just before he got to Brooklyn, he was sort of an inconsistent shooter. If the Suns buy that, they, they think he can do that. I mean, Kevin Durant saw it up close. Like, I think that would be a great get for Phoenix. And I think that's sort of what you're looking at, right? Like, you're looking at 3 and D guys. Like, I, I like you, you look at the names on the market, like a Keita Bates-Diop would make sense. Like, um, even, I don't know if it's realistic. Maybe it is now that Monty Williams isn't there. Maybe they can try to reunite with Jay Crowder, bring him back. You're looking at sort of veterans, um, guys that might come and say, I, I will take this minimum contract to play there um, for, for the most part. Like a, a Justin Holiday would, would maybe make sense. Like th- these are the kind of names. Like it's not, it's not that the top tier guys on the free agent market, but I do think there are a lot of guys um, that would see the Suns as a really good opportunity in terms of being able to actually get into that rotation rather than sitting at the end of the bench because they are shallow now and have a chance to contribute for a team that has a real shot at a championship. James Herbert, CBSSports.com right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Let's stay in the West. Kyrie Irving, uh, does he end up re-signing with the Mavs? And for the Mavs, if you don't bring him back and what you had to give up for for him to come, uh, do you just kind of leave looking like, wow, what just happened here? So we really do have to try to bring him back. Yeah, I think the Mavs this past week, they have received a ton of, I think, honestly, well-earned praise for what they did. On draft night, they traded down um, in the lottery, still got Derek Lively, the guy that they wanted, and then they made a trade later on to get Omax Prosper, a guy I just wrote a story about who I think will fit in incredibly well there. And they did that by taking on Rashawn Holmes' contract, and that's a guy who actually might play for them and help. Like, they, they did a great job. And all these good vibes would instantly go away if they go and um, mess up this Kyrie Irving thing. I mean, they traded – a ton to go get him last year. It was kind of a controversial move at the time. It did not work at all in, in the short term, not because he played poorly, like he was fine, like did his normal thing, scored a bunch of points, but defensively they were atrocious. Um, they were not good even in the games where Irving and Luca were both on the court together. They end up missing the playoffs partially because they tanked right at the, right at the end of the year. Like it was just a disaster. Um, but I think what they were kind of telling themselves um, when that happened was, well, this was just the first, like not even half of a season of the, of the Kyrie Irving experience. And we did this to raise our ceiling in the medium to long term and get Luka Doncic uh, a partner uh, that, that he believed in. So he felt that he had enough support and he didn't have to carry everything offensively, keep Luka happy, make sure that he wants to spend the rest of his career in Dallas. And now they're in this situation where in a way um, Kyrie Irving has all the leverage in the world because if he loses, then the Mavs look awful for, for having made that trade. But the problem is I just don't know what the market for Kyrie Irving would be outside of Dallas. The teams that have cap space are typically not the sort of teams that you think would be looking for a Kyrie Irving. I mean, a lot of them already have a point guard. A lot of them aren't even necessarily trying super hard to win right now. Like I don't see a great fit. Um, from any of the cap space teams. If it's not that, um, then if he wants to leave Dallas, then it needs to be a sign-and-trade, and he needs the Mavericks' cooperation. So it's this weird one where everybody just kind of assumes that Kyrie will be back because both sides are kind of incentivized to make that work. But we also know, having seen 
how things played out in Brooklyn. Irving can be unpredictable. He can also be offended um, when he thinks that he is not being valued properly or treated properly. And like his tenure in Brooklyn ended um, because they wouldn't offer him the exact type of contract extension that he wanted. Like they wanted to put some stipulations on there uh, um, that, that he felt were insulting. And I don't know that the Mavs are going to come to Kyrie Irving and say, here's the, you know, four years, five years, fully guaranteed max money. Um, if, if that were the plan, I think this would be simple. This will be done immediately the second the free agent starts. So there could be an actual negotiation here in terms of just sort of the years and the provisions of like how much of it would be guaranteed. James Herbert, CBSSports.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. For the Lakers, they have extended qualifying offers to Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. Uh, so what does that potentially leave them in the position to do this offseason? Not a ton in terms of like chasing free agents. Like There are still you know, some sign and trades that could be explored. They have the D'Angelo Russell situation. Like That, that has to play out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that is kind of what was expected. Like, the word is they'll kind of match any, any offer for Austin Reeves. Um, I believe it was Mark Stein who reported even if a team comes in and offers them the four years, $100 million max um, that, that he could get, the Lakers would just say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll match that and bring him back. Obviously, they love him. He had a great season last year, particularly um, down the stretch, the way he evolved. As, as a playmaker um, with that team, they do not want to lose him at all. Rui Hachimura played the best basketball of his life in, in a Lakers uniform um, last year, particularly was good um, in the playoffs. So I, I think it's a little bit of an awkward one where you don't want to overpay him based on just what he did in the playoffs. Historically, he hasn't been super efficient. He's been a pretty bad defender. Um, but, you know, he is a, a young kind of improving player that the Lakers, I think, would like to have around. So again, it's a matter of what kind of offers he gets. Um, they have the, the rights to match any offer um, that, that a team puts forth on Hachimura, just like they do with Reeves. I would be surprised if they let him go, but if some team comes out there and offers him something crazy, like it might actually be in Los Angeles's interest to let him go. Um, I, I don't anticipate as of right now that there'll be some huge, shake up the Lakers typically have fireworks in the offseason sometimes that means something great sometimes it's kind of a disaster um, but this year might be relatively quiet relative to recent offseasons in LA just because the Chris Paul thing clearly didn't happen it doesn't look like the Kyrie Irving thing is going to happen either um, so they might be kind of you know playing the same sort of game that the Suns are playing once they get past their own kind of free agents that are out there in terms of looking at the bargain bin trying to get guys um, to come and like sign up to play with LeBron and AD and have a chance to win a championship like that that's sort of without you know a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade happening or anything like that I think that's basically what you're looking at they do have some other decisions to make they have some non-guaranteed contracts with Malik Beasley and with Mo Bamba but I mean if if there's not some big trade to make with those guys if there isn't you know a drastic move where they try to get under the their cap. Um, I, I think the simplest thing is just to bring those guys back and deal with it later. Cam Johnson, uh, you know, Brooklyn can obviously match whatever other teams offer him, but uh, would a team like the Pistons pay a lot for him to come rejoin Monty Williams there in Detroit? Sounds like it. That, that's what their recent reporting has been. Um, I, I believe, I think it was Jake Fisher at Yahoo 
Um, it was Mark Stein um, on his sub stack. They're both saying that, that he's kind of the number one target um, of Detroit. It makes sense. I mean, I think just in terms of the sort of age timeline, um, the connection that he has, with Monty Williams. I mean, he spoke super highly of Monty, even like to me personally, I remember talking to him in, in Brooklyn um, about his time there. And he like, he really wanted to emphasize that he had no hard feelings toward the coaching staff, toward Monty, um, either about the trade or about, you know, the role that he was playing in Phoenix, which obviously it increased when, when he went to uh, a Brooklyn team that had a need for a little bit more playmaking from him and from Mikel Bridges. Um, so, I mean, that would make sense, I think, for Detroit. I don't know how much money uh, they, they'll be willing to throw at him. I think it would have to be an absolute ton to get Brooklyn to even consider for a moment not matching Cam Johnson because the plan all along was to retain him. You don't go and trade for a guy like that if, you, if you're planning to just let him walk in free agency. I, I think they really like Cam as a player, as a person. I think they see him as like a core part of what they're building going forward. So um, the Pistons, if they're actually serious about poaching him rather than just trying to drive the, the price up um, and kind of make the Nets make a tough decision, like I think they would have to go real high to a number that they might themselves not even be super comfortable with if, if, if they want it to be a kind of realistic thing. John Collins, uh, it seems like every trade deadline, every offseason, he was on the chopping block. Well, he finally got traded here. So are the Hawks done making moves and and who are they kind of building around here trying to get themselves in some cap uh, space for for next year with Murray, Trey Young or both? Yeah, it seems like they are building around Trey Young. Um, They they have been linked to various guys in like trade rumors. So I I don't know if they are entirely still committed to DeJounte Murray right now. I would guess that he'll be back next season but be but i wouldn't like bet my life on that and i wouldn't think that he's like guaranteed to be on past the trade deadline or or, um to resign with them later the front office has changed over since the hawks um traded all those picks for him i mean it's a lot of the same people but like the lead decision maker travis schlenk is gone um and it, it seems like they are kind of reorienting the team i mean they got a new coach in quinn snyder i think as of right now um, they are clearly committed to building a team around Trey Young. Usually that means maximizing spacing. Um, that is not really what Murray does. I think he's a great fit with Trey in some other ways, just in terms of giving them another playmaker. You don't want it to have to be Trey doing everything. And certainly defensively, he's like the ideal backcourt partner for Trey Young. So it could still work, but I'm not sure that they are kind of, you know, dead set on that being their their sort of main two guys for the long term. The Collins trade was just kind of disappointing when you think of just how this has played out over the course of the last few years. It seemed like if they would have done this earlier, they would have gotten a lot more back in return. But this is the reality of the new CBA where most of the league is trying to shed money. And if you have guys um, where even though the league views them as good players, they view them as potentially overpaid or at least not like a positive value contract then like this is this is where you end up like you're not going to get much of value like they essentially just salary dumped him kind of a bummer but i mean they do have a number of guys who can step in to that four spot and play like they just went and got sadiq bay um a few months ago deandre hunter can play a lot of minutes at the four it opens up a a few more minutes i guess for anyeka kongwu 
um, to come in as the backup five. John Collins wasn't playing a ton of the backup five anyway, but that is sort of a part of what he's done historically for the Hawks. Um, I think this just gives them a little bit more wiggle room to kind of see what is out there. And over the next, not just the next few weeks, but over the next few months leading up to the trade deadline and going into next summer, it gives the front office more options and more flexibility. Like some of this is just, I think, clearly about reducing payroll, getting under the tax and all of that. But I mean, it's not purely just them sort of being cheap, right? Like at this point, if, if you are talking about trying to win and contend um, for literally every team, except for the Suns, that second apron is a huge, huge concern. The Hawks are certainly no exception. James, this has been fantastic. There's plenty of more I could have dove in with you, but uh, ran out of time. Uh, should be a fun free agency period. Looking forward to following all of your work over at CBSSports.com. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Once again, he is James Herbert there with CBSSports.com.